Welcome back to Beyond the Uniform. I'm Justin Asiri, and my goal is to help members of the military community thrive in their post-service career and life. Today is episode number 394, How to Create a Clear Brand Message with Ryan Roden. We are so excited to get to the sale that we forget to listen to what's being said. And so as a result, we'll talk about the thing that we want to do and what excites us versus addressing the challenge or problem that the person on the other end of the phone is struggling with. Well, longtime listeners know that Beyond the Uniform, 99.9% of the time will interview military veterans about their civilian career, what they did, how they got there, and advice for others seeking to do the same. My guest today, Ryan, is not a military veteran. I actually interviewed him for another podcast that I do called May I Have Your Attention. It's for my company, Captivate.ai, and the audience is marketers and individuals seeking to gain attention online. However, by the time we wrap up our interview, I realized there is a lot of goodness in here that would benefit the Beyond the Uniform audience. Maybe one of them is that, um, you know, this is this is a podcast not intended for veterans. So you might see me talking and engaging with someone not breaking down terms and just really going a lot deeper into more marketing aspects. But apart from that, one area I thought might interest you is we often talk about on Beyond the Uniform about positioning yourself, having an elevator pitch, being able to explain who you are and what you're wanting. I think Ryan has a lot of great golden nuggets in here to help you understand how to better understand that process, how to get out of your own head, how to explain this in a way that the listener can receive it most efficiently. As always, at beyondtheuniform.org, you'll find show notes for this episode with links to everything we discuss, as well as Ryan's book, which I did literally order right after our interview. Uh, I think it was 20 bucks. Happily paid that. I think uh, I'll get more than that value out of it. But um, And you'll also find 392 other episodes just like this one to help you and your family in your post-service career. So with that, let's dive into my conversation with Ryan. Well, joining me today in Golden, Colorado, it's so exciting because you're just uh, 20 minutes away from where I'm at in Denver. My guest is Ryan Roten. Ryan, welcome to May I Have Your Attention. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. And I can't believe we couldn't do this like together today because it's beautiful outside. I know. It was 70 degrees at like 10 a.m. And I'm like, let me just ride this. Let's not have another snowstorm like we did a week ago. Yeah, no kidding. If we ever do this again, we should meet like at a brewery and just yes. put the mic right in between the two of us and just chat. <laughs> the quality of our addiction goes down over time, but the content probably gets a lot better. Yeah, people might be really excited by, you know, 30 minutes in. Yep. <laughs> well, let me give everyone a a quick background for Ryan. He is the founder of Career Brand, a company that helps brands find their essence. So they position, package, and promote their expertise online with strong brand messaging. Without clear messaging, your brand can't reach its full potential. He is also the author of the book Career Cred, as well as the just released, and I mean that as in just <laughs> minutes ago, <laughs> practically released book, LinkedIn Made Simple, which is co-authored by Andy Foote. So maybe just to start, Ryan, anything to add or amend to that bio? 
No, but I will say this. My co-author, Andy, is absolutely amazing. And if people aren't following him on LinkedIn, you 100% should. Like he's a data guy. He knows the algorithm. He runs experiments. He does all kinds of testing on LinkedIn. And just the fact that I was able to write a book with him is pretty humbling and very cool. How did that connection come about? (laughs) So, well, and what's funny is Andy and I've never met in person. So we met online through LinkedIn. We've had communication over the years. And then I started writing this book about, about this time last year. And I got to a few sections where I was like, you know... I kind of just want to take what Andy has and you repurpose it and give him credit. And <laughs> and then the more I thought about it, I was like, no, I, I he just needs to write, really be the co-author. So we, I just had a call with him. I asked him if he would be willing to, uh, you know, join me in writing the book, and he was 100% on board. So we went back and forth multiple times writing a book, really online. And now I'm just really proud of what we've been able to put together together and. I know it's going to change a lot of people's interactions and usage of LinkedIn. That's great. And I love this kind of puzzle piece image I get there where he had all of this data and insight. It sounds like you were already following him and liking his insights. And then just saying that's the missing piece of this book and having him slot in is, is really perfect. Yeah, absolutely. I had, and I had been following him for many, many years. And it's really weird. You know, you develop these relationships with people online, but it's still weird to reach out and ask people for something. Right. Even even if it's something you know will benefit them, it's still weird to do that. But Andy's a super nice person, super gracious, and uh, was very receptive to the idea of working together to create this book. So that's great. Well, let's start with a, a foundational question because I think it leads into a lot of the work that you do, and even the book itself, which we'll talk about soon too. So, why is it so important for brands and individuals to create a clear message? Yeah, I mean, quite simply, if your message is not clear. People will not know what you do or how you add value to the world, to them, to your sphere of influence. And what happens in a lot of cases with especially business owners, but I also see it on the career side with people who've been in a role for a longer period of time, we gain knowledge and our knowledge level increases. You know, it starts somewhere down here and it just increases as we do our thing over time. And After a while, we know our subject matter so well that we begin to think, our mind actually tells us a thing called the curse of knowledge. You can look it up. It's on like Wikipedia and everywhere else. But our mind actually says that everybody else knows the exact same thing that we do. So you're thinking up here and somebody who comes to you who's down here at this level where you were when you started, you're talking at a language that's above them and they don't understand the context that got you where you are. And so the way we close that gap is with clarity. And you bring yourself kind of down to where they are by being super clear about what you do and how you help. It's so funny that you use that phrase, which I'm not familiar with the curse of knowledge as as like a thing. I, I was just literally, as soon as you started talking, I was like, man, I'm thinking about with Captivate and how often I'm talking to people. But it's like, I start wondering like, what is it that they don't know? Because I just kind of get into my little shtick. I'm wondering, like, how do you get out of that? Like, how do you get a fresh perspective on what knowledge is lacking? Or, or how do you get that distance that seems like is so important to deliver a message in a way that can be received? Well, first of all, it's super hard to do. So I know lots of people who try and you can't do it. It's really, really hard to do. So the easiest way to do it And this is still not easy. Like this whole thing is like, it's the classic example of it's simple, but it's not easy. 
the simplest, easiest way to do it is you have to put yourself in your customer's shoes and you have to start asking the questions that they ask of your brand, not the questions you want to answer, right? So it's the difference between what I like to call old school marketing, which is I will tell you what I want you to know about my brand versus today where people want to see themselves in your brand. And the only way that they can do that is if you use language, you take your language and bring it down to their level and you talk about the problems, the struggles and the symptoms that you know they are experiencing as it relates to what your brand can help them solve. So for example, in your case, you could have talked about Captivate AI, you could have talked about all the technology, all the work that goes into it, code snippets and all that kind of stuff because that's important. But as somebody who wants to use your service, Honestly, I don't care about how it gets done in the back end. I want to know how you can help me personally. And so what caught my attention with you when we connected on LinkedIn was that you said, uh, take your podcast and turn it into three months of content, right? And so as a podcaster, one of the things that I struggle with is I have this huge backlog of episodes that's just there. And repurposing that content is a lot of work. And I also know there's a lot of valuable knowledge that's sitting there kind of stagnant. And so I had this problem of how can I get the most of the content that I've already created or that I create like even right now, how can I get the most out of it without having to go do all the work that I know that's required of it and still run a business. And so your tagline caught my attention because it identified a problem that I struggle with and it made me go, oh, I need to know more about that. At some point in the conversation, it becomes important for you then to talk about the AI and how all this stuff works. But that used to be the thing you lead with in marketing. Now it's the thing that you don't lead with. You need to get people's attention first. And then when they're ready, they will say, how does this work? And then that's when you have kind of their permission. We go Seth Godin permission marketing, right? Then you have their permission to go talk about the back end or how your thing works. I just want to break down a couple things I found really compelling there. The first is I love that you said the questions they want to ask versus the ones you want to answer. And I'm guilty of this in relationship, in business, in just normal conversation where, especially I think with one's company or line of work, if you love it like I do, there's so much you want to talk about, but that yeah. doesn't mean that it's of interest to whoever you're talking to. So I love that empathetic approach to like, what is it that they really need, want to ask about? And let me, let me put my answers and that enthusiasm on hold. And the second thing I wanted to actually dig into, you said people want to see themselves in your brand. And you said the problems, the struggles, the symptoms. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Because I think that there's something profound there about the identity and seeing myself as part of this brand. Like I just, my mind went a lot of places with that, but I'd love you to expand on it. Yeah. So for example, what a lot of folks want to do, especially coaches in general, coaches, consultants, doesn't matter, you know, what noun you want to put in front of the word coach. We've created something that we know will benefit somebody. We know it will help you. You will get better if you use our products and services. And so we're proud of that and we want to talk about it. But we also like to talk about things that really don't matter to prospects, such as I started my business after I was let go from my job. That's a great story, but most people don't have the patience to read that today right when they first know you. Like they need to know whether or not they can fit with you and whether or not you can help them solve a problem. The truth is all of our prospects, all of our customers, clients, they're all selfish. I wrote a blog post about this, so I'm cool saying that, but it's true. They're all selfish. They come to you 
because they have a problem that they want to solve and they want to understand whether or not you can help them solve it. So for example, if I go to your website and you're using words like I do this and I started my business then and here's what we do, here's what we offer. It's really hard for you as somebody who's reading those words to fit into them because you're using inward facing language instead of outward facing language. And so you have to start the conversation off letting people know that you understand the problems and struggles they have. And then you position your message and your business and your brand as the thing that can help them. It's such a profound point. I wrote that down, the inward versus outward facing language. And when I was in San Francisco, my wife and I did the hippiest thing possible, which is we took a year of training in this thing called nonviolent communication. It's all about empathetic Mm. communication. Interesting. One of the biggest things that I learned from that was that until someone feels heard, they cannot hear you. And so, you know, we would literally role play in situations where if someone, you know, you would have someone who's fired up about something and they'd say something and you're just literally reflecting back, hey, this is what I heard. This is what I felt. This is what came through. And you kind of see their defenses lowering once they Mm -hmm. feel heard, they feel seen. And so that's one of the things I think is so profound about what you're saying. And I never put that together with websites where so often it is all about me, all about me, rather than making the person feel understood. And I keep coming back to that because I think it's so, so great. Problems, struggles, symptoms, really making sure that they can identify with that. I think that's great. The best compliment I think you can get as a content creator in general is when somebody reads your stuff and they go, holy crap, Ryan's reading my mind. Or man, I thought I was the only person who struggles with that. When you hear those words or see those words, you know that you are talking directly to the people that you want to talk to in a way that resonates with them deeply. I just listened to a podcast episode with Jerry Seinfeld and I'm just like filling in the gap here where I'm like, oh, that's actually something that makes comedians great as well as taking mm-hmm. an insight that we think is totally unique to us and we realize it's universal. And I can imagine that that with content marketing is really powerful if people feel like you're reading my mind or you really get me or this person understands. Yeah, I mean, so it's funny you bring up comedians because comedians are terrific. I mean, they're great. They have this innate ability helping you get placed into a situation. And they do that using a thing called metaphors. And metaphors is one of those situations where I can do a metaphor and you'll be able to take that and put yourself into it with your own experiences. And so you can relate to it directly to whatever the comment happens to be in your own individual way. And so anytime, like, especially if you're explaining a new product or service, anytime you can compare it metaphorically to something else that people already identify with, that's a great way for you to get your brand and your brand message into someone's brain. I think that's such a great shortcut to the metaphor piece because it is. I am imagining we have so much emotion and understanding wrapped around this thing. And then you're just literally dropping it in there and you're short circuiting into this positive association. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Like this may or may not be a great example, but somebody once told me you're like the Ron Swanson of messaging. <laughs> okay. So now you're laughing because you know, yeah. Ron Swanson yeah. and you know, Ron, like simple, clear language. He does not like fancy words that make no sense. Yep. Right. So you immediately laugh because you're like, Oh, I get it. Cause you know, Ron, you may, I'm sure you've seen parks and recs, you know, Ron Swanson, you know how he speaks Yep. gives you an idea immediately of how I might be able to help you if you're struggling with messaging. Yeah. I'm just kind of, I want to give I am jealous though of his hair. I'm just going to say that. (laughs) 
<laughs> and his capacity to eat bacon. Um, I, I, I'm curious, I, I want to give kind of a wide berth here because I know you have so much expertise here, but I'm appreciating all the nuggets you've given us so far, but what other best practices have you found for brands? And I, I understand that it's very nuanced based on the individual, but any other best practices, and I'm guessing that could be for their website, it could be for their elevator pitch, it could be for their LinkedIn profile, but different ways to spoon feed the person they're speaking to exactly the information they need in the way that they're most likely to internalize it. This is going to sound really profound and simplistic, but the first thing to do is listen. People will tell you what their problems are and what they're struggling with if you just listen. Most of the time, what I find when folks get on sales calls, for example, we are so excited to get to the sale that we forget to listen to what's being said. So as a result, we'll talk about the thing that we want to do and what excites us versus addressing the challenge or problem that the person on the other end of the phone is struggling with. And so I know that sounds really like simplistic, but just take the time to listen. Fight every urge you have on sales calls, especially to not jump to the conclusion or solution. Because if you listen to the problems that they're telling you, you can formulate in your mind the best way to position your product or service in order to make the sale. More importantly, you will learn whether or not you can actually help them. It does us no good to make a sale to have a client just so our revenue goes up if we can't actually help them. So you need to approach that with some grace and some grace and graciousness, knowing that maybe not every person you talk to is right for you, but you won't know that unless you truly listen. I'm interrupting when you literally just told me to listen. I'm interrupting, <laughs> but I got so excited by that. I've got a post-it note right here on my screen. I worked with a consultant who was helping me improve my sales process. And she had me record my sales calls for a while. And she just said, look, you've got to breathe before you respond because you're so eager to answer the person, you're not learning what they really need, which is painful to hear, but it's consistent mm. with what you just said, which is like, people will tell you what their pain points are. And I really like the authenticity there where it's like, then you can really evaluate, can I help this person or not? Because no one's benefited by selling a solution or service that they're not really needing. So I just wanted to, to highlight that. I, I really think that there's a powerful thought there of just slowing down to listen. And Here's another great point to that, though. I'll just add on to, to your addition, which is if you really listen, you will find the messaging and the words that you need to sell your products and services. Because if one person is saying it, I guarantee you other people are saying, thinking, and feeling the same way. So listening to the, how they describe the problem that, you, that they're having and capturing that is great for marketing content. For your website, for content you put out, like blog posts or whatever, it's great, great content. But you won't know it. You won't find it if you're not listening for it. My favorite point in any sales related call is when the person says like, so uh, this is what I, I looked at your website. This is what I understand. So you da, 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 da. And I always write that down because it's such, it's so much gold. If the person explains my product to me in their own words, I don't think I connected the dots fully, but I really appreciate what you're saying there about using those words because you're bridging the gap. Like these are yeah. clearly words that connect with that person. So let me use the language that's going to connect with them. 100%. And most of the time when we go to quote tweak our websites, what we do is we tweak them with what I like to refer to as markety 
words or fuzzy words. They mean something to us because we came up with it, but all they're going to do is just confound your message and make it really confusing for everybody else. So if you're using their words, I mean, that's, that's ideal. That's where you want to get to. Second part of that best practice is as a coach or a consultant, we all sell something that's invisible. Unless it's a product that you can buy like an online course, that's visible. But when you're doing a service, you're helping somebody in some way, it's invisible. People can't see it. And so if you can turn your product or service into something that's visible, that can actually be seen by your clients, it makes everything so much easier. It frames up your sales conversations. It makes people go, oh, look, there's actually something. Here's what we're going to do together. I know exactly the value that I can get and receive if I decide to work with Justin, if I decide to work with Ryan. So the more visible you can make your service, the better off you'll be because without having a visible service, you have to use lots and lots and lots of words to describe what you do. And at some point in those first two or three sentences, after you've told them, well, I created this process, after I discovered that uranium was blah, 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 and I did this at night, like nobody cares, but you will have a tendency to go there and say those kind of things if you don't have a visible process to follow. I'm a big fan, like most people on the planet of, of Apple, and I, I admire their marketing, but I never put together that thought that like, in some ways, it's so much easier to sell something where you can put your hands on it. Yeah. And, you know, myself and you and so many of us were selling something that's not physical and tangible. And it makes me feel a little bit better realizing like that is actually much harder because the onus is on me to describe and explain in a way to make it more tangible when it's completely not. Yeah. Now, even if you have a physical product, a book, right? For example, it's very easy for me to go, this is a great book. It's 138 pages, including the author page. It's got a really good description of Andy and I in the back. We talk about some stuff and LinkedIn in here, and there's some pretty pictures and nice fonts and uh, the ISBN number is this, like people who have product pages will describe their products in that way. And just because it's a physical product doesn't mean the same principles we've talked about before don't apply. Like the question you really need to answer because it's the question that people want to know the answer to is why should I even care about this? Like why, why should I buy this? How's it going to make my life better? You should be talking about those things in your marketing, even if it's a product. It's a pitfall that I often fall into as someone who focuses a lot on product is I do want to describe all the features and all the bells and whistles, but is the equivalent of what you were doing with the book, the, the page numbers, the ISBN number, the things that it's like, that's not really what I need. It's rather the why behind it or like, why should I even care? And going back to your earlier point, I like that sense of, having people opt in and say that they're interested by like, okay, so how does it work or whatever else to show that they're actually interested in getting to that level of detail. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, like, what good does it do you to know that this is made out of two pound bonded paper? I don't know if it is, by the way, I just made that up. But like, it does you no good. It doesn't help you understand how this book is going to help you. In fact, a post that Andy did this week, one of the comments came back that said, hey, is there a table of contents for the book? Why do you think people want to know what the table of contents is? Because they want to see what's in it. They want to see if, hey, what do they talk about? And can it help me solve a problem that I'm having? Not what is it made out of? And I get it. Like, it goes back to what we said before. We're proud of what we create. The technology and stuff that's out there that we've used to build stuff, it's really cool and it's super helpful stuff. And we should be very proud of it. But it's not what people care about when they first encounter your brand. 
I want to ask a question in a different thread, but I, I just want to make sure I'm not cutting you off again in terms of best practices. Was there anything else you wanted to share on the best practice I mean, front? There's a bunch, right? But those are like my top two. Make sure you're really, truly listening. Don't jump to the conclusion too fast. And then if you can take your service and make it visible, which is what I help my clients do, you have a much, much better chance of getting people to grasp very quickly what you do and how they'll benefit. That's great. So one of the things I wanted to ask about, and you can take this a number of different ways. I know you've worked with so many great brands. I wanted to ask a question about how to tell people what you do. And I don't know if that would be relevant as an example of you, if you bumped into someone on the street or one of your clients and what you did with them. But I, I just love like a, an example of what that looks like even. Yeah. So there's a simple formula, problem, solution, success. Just those three things. We always talk about pitches. Like our society has become this, like you got to have a pitch. And even, you know, like, as you know, startup, you go do a startup pitch. Like I get that. But the truth is you shouldn't have a standard pitch that you use every single time because it may not apply to the person who's standing in front of you. So you need the flexibility in your pitch to be able to address the person that you're speaking to, right? So if I meet somebody who has who knows nothing about me, I'm gonna say something along the lines of, I help coaches and consultants come up with brand messaging that's so clear, everybody knows what they do. Because most people can grasp that and they can understand it. And they're like, and it also makes them go, oh, wait, I'm a coach, tell me more about that. Because they just immediately went, oh, I struggle with messaging and I'm not sure everybody knows what I do. Then you can change it up if there's people who know more about you. So for example, you introduced me a little bit more earlier about finding the essence. I could also say something like, I help coaches and consultants position, package, and promote their brand using strong messaging. And I wouldn't say that every time unless I knew the person I was talked to was struggling with one of those things. So it's about listening to them. Now, if they just walk up to you and say, hey, what do you do? You should have something prepared that says who, who you are and how your clients benefit, but it doesn't have to be long. In fact, if it's long, you may as well just tell them when you founded your business and why, because they're going to stop listening. <laughs> so the shorter and more succinct you can make it, the better off you are. And then that honestly, just to get to that point, it comes back to, I have a certain level of knowledge. I'm not sure people down here will understand that. So it's hard to get to really succinct language. But if you just remember, start off with the you know, what's the problem you solve and how do people benefit from it? And then that will help you come up with a pitch that in general, most people will be able to understand. The, the two things I most like about that is first, I really like that it's underscoring your earlier point about listening. You know, I was thinking when I asked that, that you just have a tried and true phrase that you always use. And it seems like you've been saying it's better to understand the person you're talking to because then you can position it more. The second thing though is I just admire the craftsmanship of those two examples you gave us because they were very succinct, very descriptive. And I know how much work it takes to just boil this ocean down to the concentrated goodness that makes it most universally understood. I, I imagine there's a lot of hammering behind the scenes that goes in and practicing even to make that flow so seamlessly. So much you don't know. I appreciate that. It took three years to get there. Yep. Yeah, I believe it. I believe uh, it. No, but but seriously, like it does, it will take you that long because we get so wrapped up in our own language that we fail to see how our language doesn't jive with the people that we want to speak to and reach. And it's really difficult to close that gap. And it takes a lot of thinking. I could show you iPad stuff where I've written out all kinds of things to come up with what I just said. And it's not that the stuff that I came up with wasn't good. 
it just wasn't good enough. And it just takes a long, long time to get there on your own. One of the things I used to enjoy about when we lived in a world where you'd go to conferences, it was a chance to iterate literally hundreds of times and mm -hmm. you would get pretty real-time feedback of like, so what do you do? Lay it out there and you see either the blank stares or the intrigue and you get a sense like just, I mean, it was a boot camp in really refining a messaging for a company or for myself. But I like that sense of just really refining it and honing it. And it also seems like it's important to have a couple versions of these to based on who you're speaking to, to be able to slot that in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and so like when I work with one of my clients, once we figure out what their messaging is, one of the first things I do at every meeting afterwards is ask them to tell me what their message is. Like it's because you have to memorize it. A new message has to be memorized. Otherwise, you will go fall back to what you used to say. Yeah. So it's this constant practice. Every tell me what your message is before we even start doing anything. Tell me what your message is. Yep. And you just have to get into that repeating. This is what we do. This is what we do. And the more you know about your audience, the clearer, more succinct you can make your message. So it really resonates with people. I like to think of it, I mean, this, this is gonna sound weird, but it's true. If you have the right messaging and you have the right things to say, every time you're talking to somebody who has the challenges and problems that you know, you're talking about, you're like hitting them with a pin and they can feel, they can literally like feel it. They're like, oh yeah, I got that problem too. Oh yeah, that's me. And you have, the only way to get to that point is you really have to listen to what your customers are telling you. It's the precision there too, because the more that you understand their problem, the more you're able to replay that back. I've been on the other side of that where I'm like, oh yeah, that's such a pain point. And, and, and it, to your point earlier with metaphors, it really brings up all the emotion there of the frustration or anger or guilt around that pain point. And that's a powerful way to real, ha have them realize like I actually need this solution that this person's talking about. Yeah, metaphors are amazing, but they are equally as difficult to come up with, it seems like at times. Yeah. <laughs> I have a book that's that thick called I Never Met a Metaphor I Didn't Like. And, you know, so I literally will go through there sometimes and just say, okay, what can I get that will resonate with people that will make a connection in a post or a video or something I'm going to put out that will help people relate? This is completely um, just in the moment, but I find this process for myself, I find it excruciating of like <laughs> telling things really concisely. And you do this with so many people. Is it like this birthing process for you as well? Or is it something that you enjoy and get pleasure from? I personally love it. There's always, always at some moment in engagement with a client where the light bulb goes on. Yeah. And, and that moment of relief where they go, oh my gosh, after all this time, finally. Yeah. I've even had people say, I know what I do. I've heard people say, oh my gosh, I just got goosebumps when you said that. Yep. And the reason why is your business, like your business is your baby and it's so important to you and not being able to talk about it in a way that resonates with others is super frustrating. And when you get that moment where you, where everything just clicks and you know that now you can talk about your business in a way that's going to help serve more people. I love that moment. I see it every engagement. I'm not every engagement, but at some point in an engagement, a client will have that. <laughs>
It makes me think of years ago with my brother, I was doing the opposite where every time he said something, I'd say like, oh, I get it. So what you're saying is, and then I'd say the exact opposite. And he did, <laughs> before he realized what I was doing, he got so angry. And it's true. I feel like when we're not understood, when we're not feeling like we're heard, it's so frustrating. And the opposite is true. And I can see how valuable that is for your clients when you have those breakthrough moments of like, yes, like that is what I do. That's what I want to do. This is what I aspire to. It is, it is like this aligning process that is liberating. I had a client just last week. She's a kind of an Instagram influencer and she put out in her Instagram story, like her, she's like, oh my gosh, we've been trying to do this for a year and a half. We hired a marketing agency to help us do this. And I finally found somebody who can find the essence of my brand. Like it's those moments that just make me love what I do. I have another client right now who we're not even finished. And because of the work we've done with messaging and specifically taking his process and making it visible, he's sold two franchises. Wow. And we're not even done. Yep. And it's not like I'm working magic. What I'm really doing is, you know, those mirrors that you can rotate and flip them around upside, you know, like the big tall mirrors and they rotate and then there's another mirror on the backside. I'm just helping people go from, I look at this side of the mirror all the time. Let's flip that mirror so that we can see our customer. Yeah. It is yeah. really bad. Somebody's going to see this video and go like, look at the hand. <laughs> what is he doing? I probably just did something really bad in sign language. And if so, I apologize. I'm just trying to play back all of the things like this I've tried to do in the last 10 years. And it seems like it's all but impossible to do this just with people internally because you're so in it. It's hard to kind of see what's going on. Like I imagine you and people like you, part of the value is you are an outsider. You don't have decades of being immersed in this. Like you can get people out of the things that they're saying. I, you know, I work with a lot of military veterans and they'll use acronyms because for 20 years, they've only used acronyms. They don't even know anymore that other people don't know that. And yeah. so I'm guessing there's that a benefit to an outsider helping guide this process. Yeah. So, and I can help that with that a little bit. If that's you and you're in your organization and you're sitting there going struggling and you're kind of all coming up with the same things over and over, there's a little exercise I like to do called the four O's of messaging. And the first one is objectives. So what are the objectives that your clients are trying to obtain, your customers obtain? What do they want? Ask that question first. Do not relate it to what you sell yet. Just what do they want? Okay. Then ask yourself, what are the obstacles in their way that prevent them from getting what they want? Once you know the answers to those two questions, now you take that information and you look at your offer, third O, and you say, how does our offer solve those obstacles so our clients can meet their objectives? Because if your offer helps them resolve the first two O's, then the fourth O, outcomes, you should be able to say, if you work with me, here's what you can expect to receive as a result of this. So more sales, more leads, more confidence, whatever it is that your product or service helps people do, however you transform your client in some way, those are the outcomes that they can expect. And that's what you should talk about. What about moving this concept further? So once a brand or an individual has clarity on their message, yeah. how do you start building a content strategy around that? This is a super, super great question. Because here's the truth. You could have the clearest, most succinct message on earth, but it's not going to help you that much if you don't know what to do with it. So you have to, once you have your message 
and you go through the 4-0 exercise, you actually have a lot of information you need to create some amazing content. You know the objectives your clients are trying to get to. You know the things they want. Talk about those things. You know the obstacles that are in their way, the problems they face, the symptoms that they have as a result of those obstacles. Talk about those things. If you make your content lead with those things, your engagement will increase dramatically. What most people want to do is tell you something. Hey, I learned this great thing. Here's what it's all about. And they don't provide the context. Knowing objectives and obstacles provides context for people and it sets the stage for them to pay attention. Could you imagine if movies all started with the solution? Like, or in the first three minutes, people solved all their problems? Like nobody would watch, nobody would pay attention. So the reason that movies follow a similar pattern, which, you know, now they introduce the characters, the character has this thing they want to achieve, but they've got this problem that's in their way. And then the whole movie is them just resolving that. So always start with what is it that your clients want, your prospects want? What is it people in your sphere of influence? What do they want? And why can't they get that on their own? What are the things that stop them from doing it? I've never heard it put like that before, but the objectives and obstacles provide context. It is so true. And I am so guilty. And I imagine many of your clients are like this, where it jumps into the offer without that context. And so I just really like establishing the context in any piece of content and a content marketing strategy of making sure that those objectives and obstacles are there to provide the context for why people should even care. And I, you know, as someone who loves movies, I really appreciate that image of, of moving the resolution to the front, which is removing all tension and character growth and all of that. Yeah, I can't take credit for that. I learned that from Donald Miller, uh, the guy who wrote um, Building a Story Brand. I'm a story brand certified guide. So I learned a lot of stuff from him, especially as it relates to movies and messaging. But it's, it's just true. Like if you watch any movie, they all follow the same pattern. Every movie follows the same pattern. Within three minutes, probably 10 minutes of a movie starting, you can tell who's going to die and who's going to live. If you're really listening and paying attention to what's taking place, because they all follow the same kind of plot line. I want to make sure we have room to talk about your book. And first of all, congratulations, because in, in real time here, it just came out. And I know that this big event, there'll be a lot of promotion around it, but it is on the backs of not only a year of work, but decades of honing your craft. Yeah. And it's a big, big deal. But let's let's talk about the book. I want to touch on that because I think that's a super important point too. Anything that you do that's worthwhile takes a lot of time and effort. And we tend to celebrate the thing at the end without acknowledging the work that it takes to get there, right? Like you have a great product with Captivate, but it didn't launch yesterday. Like it took you a long time to get where you're at. And so we have to, as creators, as business owners, we have to remember that it took us time and the work and the effort that we put into it because it makes the reward at the end so much better. There is no such thing as an overnight success. That's cliche. Everybody's heard it, but I like to remind people because there are some folks who just have this expectation of instant, like I want it right now and nothing good ever comes like just right now. There's always a path that got the thing that just appeared to appear. But with that said, yeah, like it took years. Like I've been using LinkedIn, like most people for a long time. I went through this period of, okay, great. I got a profile. Now what do I do? How do I interact? Should I, should I connect with every single person who reaches out to me? Which by the way, I did. And almost everybody else does, right? Because 
That's what you thought you were supposed to do with LinkedIn. Then you have the opposite end where you have people who want to find customers and things like that. And they are like, what kind of messaging should I send? When do I reach out to people? What is the right kind of messaging, if you will, etiquette or protocol? And so one of the things Andy and I did as we, you know, I had I had a pretty good chunk of this book written when he reached out together, but we sat down and just said, what are the problems that we know from our experiences with LinkedIn that people struggle with? And how can we use this book to help them get past all of them, or at least most of them? I mean, there's some problems that like we just can't help you. But when it comes to using LinkedIn, understanding how to leverage it to really build your business, your brand and your career, And then just also, how do you do daily interactions? How do you message? How do you reach out to people? Where do you find information? You know, how do you post? You know, there's over 30 different pieces of content that you could pull out of LinkedIn. And so we just felt that it's a great platform. It's highly underutilized. And we wanted to create something that we knew from our experiences will help people. And frankly, just the whole LinkedIn platform become a better place for everybody. Are there any common mistakes that you see people doing on LinkedIn? You said a couple with uh, accepting every connection request and having a microphone of people who are on LinkedIn right now. What would you want them to know that probably doing that they need to stop? Well, the first question I would ask is, what's your goal? Why are you even on LinkedIn to begin with? What's your goal? Are you there just because everybody tells you you should be? Because if so, maybe you shouldn't be. You have to have a goal. You know, a lot of the people I work with, they want to be on every single social media platform. I'm like, why? What's the point? If the people you want to reach, if the people you want to influence are not on the platform, don't be on that platform. Don't spend time, effort, and energy. Learn how to repurpose your content there, but don't spend your time and energy there. And so all that comes back to what are your goals? What are you actually trying to do with your LinkedIn profile. And then the next thing that I think is super important that people have to answer to get be successful, this is why it's number two, strategy number two. By the way, there's over 100 identified strategies in this book. I actually felt like a salesperson right there. Strategy number two is you have to answer this question. And I talk about this in my first book, Career Cred 2. What do you want people to know you for? Like, what do you personally want to be known for? If I go to your LinkedIn profile and I read the words that are there, What do you want me to know about who you are and how you help? If you don't know the answer to that question, then you fall victim to this kind of random acts of posting. You just post stuff that feels good to you at the time. Because what happens today in our digital world is people don't know you. They try to piece together more about you from this digital footprint that you leave. And so when they go and they start reading your posts and they look at all this different stuff that you've got out either online or on LinkedIn or elsewhere, what they're trying to do is figure out who are you and how do you help people? Because maybe you could help me. I don't know. And so when you do random acts of posting, you confound your messaging and people can get really confused about how you help. It's so interesting because one of the first people I had on the show, Mita Malik, is a LinkedIn top voice. And mm. everything she posts is about inclusion, diversity. Like it is consistent and frequent and yeah. it's not muddled at all. And I think it's embarrassing to me that even that fundamental question, I probably couldn't answer right now. (laughs) I can see the pressure washer effect of just being really specific in what you're doing. Because I'm guessing a lot of this is you want to be associated with you. I want to be able to be like, oh yeah, Ryan, he's the guy who's good at LinkedIn or he's the guy who's good at messaging. Like you need people to have the two or three words to go along with you. So you're in their mental Rolodex or when you're relevant, they reach out. You know, my, my wife always says, 
it takes time to save time. It's true. Like to take the time to understand what your message is, what you want to be known for is so vital, but so few of us take the time to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you want to be the best product manager out there, like say that's what you want to be known for. How will people ever know that about you if you're not talking about product management? And you don't, by the way, you don't have to talk about it all the time. There's somebody on LinkedIn that everybody should follow. Her name is Sarah Johnson. She is amazing at creating real life content that's highly relatable to her audience. So, you know, she'll be out buying, like she has a post where she was buying a a latte at Starbucks and she turned it into why you need a good resume. And it was perfect. And that kind of content is real life. It's relatable. You can do that. You don't have to talk about your thing all the time, but you should talk about it enough that people start to associate you with whatever your thing is. And when they go, you know what, we need a product manager. Oh, what about so-and-so? You know, I noticed he's been posting a lot about product management. Maybe we should check this person out. And, you know, I still believe resumes are important, but I do also believe that what's becoming more and more important is the footprint, if you will, that you leave online. So how you're communicating the value that you add online is super, super important. People are going to look you up. They're going to research you. They're going to try to figure out what you're all about. And if I need a product manager and I go to your profile and you're t- doing nothing but talking about product product management, not only are you showing your leadership, your expertise, but you're making me go, man, this person is really passionate about product management. I need somebody like that on my team. That's great. I think that's awesome. I know that we're towards the end here and I want to leave a fair amount of breathing room because I know that there is questions I asked. There's probably questions I didn't ask. And I want to just kind of make space for what have we not talked about that you want to make sure that our audience knows? That's an interesting question because we talked about a whole bunch of different things. (laughs) But I think really from a takeaway standpoint is the clearer the more simple you can make your language, the easier it will be for others to understand what you do and how they benefit from your product or services. The old adage, uh, less is more, has never been more true than what it is today. If you can figure out what you do and say it in a way that's simple and clear and people get it super quick, you will win over somebody who I have to sit and try to interpret what they're saying and how I can benefit from it. As you're saying that, I'm thinking of TikTok. I'm thinking of Twitter. I'm just thinking of all of the little things that are getting our attention spans shorter and shorter. And I'm thinking of a family member. We probably all have them where you get the emails at 2 a.m. and their page is long. And it's like, I, I don't know what to do with this. I've always not been- read a, it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely not read it and not going to respond to it. I appreciate on Reddit how very often people will just do the TLDR, too long, didn't read, this is what you need to know. And I think it's it's a gift to whoever you're talking to because it takes time and effort to mm. to refine. I remember a professor I had had just talked and he's, he was published in like three languages. And he said like the better you are at writing, the more concise it is, the shorter the sentences are. And mm. it takes so much longer to construct those little tiny sentences rather than just like I'm doing right now, these run on sentences. So I didn't understand this quote for a long time until I got into brand messaging, but it is so, so true. It's from Abraham Lincoln, where he said, if I had more time, I would have written a shorter letter. It's so true. It takes time to go through a process of really getting your thoughts and your words aligned so that they're succinct, they're simple, and they're clear. And when we break into marketing speak, 
we're usually doing it based on emotion because we go, oh, that's cool. I need to say that. And we haven't taken the time to really think through how that could impact somebody else who reads it, who didn't have that breakthrough moment that you just had. I'll compliment that with another quote. I think that's attributed to Abraham Lincoln, which is if, if I have six hours to chop down a tree, yep. I'll use the four, first four to sharpen the ax. And I view everything of what you're talking about in your work and in your book, it is the sharpening of the ax that goes on behind the scenes before you're actually rolling up your sleeves to chop some wood in a networking sense or content marketing or sales. Like it really does take all that extra time there. Fantastic metaphor. Thank you. Well, <laughs> Ryan, thank you so much. Um, in the show notes for this episode at Captivate.ai, I'll include links to everything we discussed, including uh, I'll track down Sarah Johnson and include her in there. Uh, you can find more information uh, about Ryan in his company, Career Brand. That's careerbrand.co, correct? Yes, correct. And more so on ryanroten.com. Okay, Ryan wrote that. That's R H O T E N. We'll put that in the show notes. And his book, which just came out today, which I'm going to buy a copy immediately after this, <laughs> LinkedIn Made Simple, uh, co authored with Andy Foote, 130 plus pages of this information. But uh, it is the distilled knowledge of decades of work into a very simple, concise format. As you can imagine, when someone makes their living off of being concise, you can imagine their book will be to the point and concentrated goodness. Thank you so much for joining me today, Ryan. No, thank you, Justin. I greatly appreciate being on the show. Thank you. Surface, surface, surface. Beyond the Uniform is written and produced by me, Justin Asiri, with the help from our chief of staff, Steve Bain, our editor, Lex Brown, and our head of social media, Janelle Hanf. We are an all-volunteer organization and would greatly appreciate your help in any of the following ways. First of all, spread the word. Beyond the Uniform has over 380 podcast episodes and 15 on-demand webinars, all offered for free. Help us spread the word on social media, at military bases, or whatever gets this resource in front of the men and women who need it. Positive reviews on iTunes go a long way towards this as well. Second of all, sponsorship. Beyond the Uniform relies on sponsorship to keep us going. There is so much more we'd like to do, but just don't have nearly the resources to do it. If you know of a company that would advertise in any way with Beyond the Uniform, please send them our way. Third of all, donations. If you're in a financial position to donate, you can find more information on the support section of our website. At our website, beyondtheuniform.org, you'll find over 380 episodes categorized by industry, functional role, and more. You'll also find both free and for-purchase resources that take a deeper dive on topics related to career growth. Thank you for your support as we aim to help members of the military and their families thrive in their post-military career in life. 